Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my Upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. up on this episode of White Wine Question Time. He came to me to the Land of Flowers and not once um, did he never stop being Liam Gallagher. <laughs> he spent the whole lunch with his cagoule on, like zipped up <laughs> to the top. He ate, um, he was drinking espresso martinis from the, for, right from the start all the way through to the end. And when he finished it, when he finished at lunch, he moonwalked into the kitchen to thank, to thank all the chefs. So we've lost, I don't know, pandemic, probably on paper, around about four, four million quid. We lost four million, right? Real, real terms cash was about one and a half. We lost one and a half million Jesus quid, right? Tom. If not more. This guy might be able to do whatever he does on a corporate, understand the corporate spreadsheet of working out the balance uh, of profit and loss over a multi-billion pound company. And, but he can't cook two mission stars, can he, mate? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions, usually over three glasses of wine, but not this week. For a start, my guest is teetotal, but we are at his brand new pub, the Butcher's Tap and Grill in Chelsea, which has literally just opened. And this isn't his first time on the show. He's back in true chef style for second helpings. Although since he was last on, we've ended up inadvertently on holiday together and have gone on to become I hope, good friends. And let me tell you that this man is not only a master of the kitchen, he's also very capable of holding his own on an inflatable sofa ride sandwiched between my son and his. And I thank you for giving me a day off of that. A chef, a restaurateur, an author, uh, the host of a plethora of cookery shows, a household name, the holder of three Michelin stars. I mean, I could go on. Most importantly, though, probably, I would say his, his role as a father to... AC, a child so delicious I could eat him, and a husband to a brilliant sculptor, Beth. Tom Kerridge, thanks for having us over for lunch. <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> My God, that was an introduction. I'm exhausted. I, I didn't know. even read it out. Well, I'm just walking in here today. Um, so we're in your but so this is the second venue of the same name. The first yeah. one's in Marlow. This is just off the King's Road in Chelsea. I say it's a butcher's tap and grill. So we've got this is our sixth, I suppose. Um, permanent restaurant stroke pub site and we've got three in Marlow three different types of pubs one is the two Michelin star Hannah Flowers one is the one Michelin star coach and the other one is a butcher tap and grill which is a community based kind of place where there's no bookings it has sport on the telly it's beer and it's burgers and steaks and chips that are served in a cone like but it 
they're all it's all the produce that is from the other two spaces so it's all the same meats and it's all the same sort of exciting things um and levels that we look for but we're just trying to make it a lot more kind of accessible free easy uh nice kind of place to hang out so it 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 works really well and we just thought do you know what like we wanted to do a second one and when we saw this site in chelsea just off the king's road you know we thought well why don't we do it here let's have a little go at it you know Chelsea's Chelsea's a cheap part of the world. We can get a nice yeah. we can get a nice pub here. We can. I tell you what, with two, with two pubs shuttered every day, why not open up off one of the most high, expensive high streets in the world? I know <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a it is a big risk. Actually, I gotta be honest. Like Beth is the most supporting, amazing person ever. She's brilliant with the design and the vibe and the feel and getting building the business from the ground up to get to this point. And then she just kind of walks away now and lets us get on with you know and my team get on. With making it run but it is you know it's remortgaging houses and it's having a go at stuff to have another go at doing something else which is good but it's it's because it's what i love doing there's not listen it obviously has to operate and work well as a business but at the same point it's got to be somewhere that you know it's somewhere that i love doing hospitality is great it's what i love doing i've done it for 32 years and you know it's and this is the point where it starts getting really exciting you're creating something building something learning a neighborhood and people i like people kate you know that like i like hanging out with people and doing stuff and you know if they're coming out into your place and having a nice time then that's what that's where we want to be so yeah, it's a super exciting opportunity. It's great. And also, if you can make it work when there's a cost of living crisis, everything is more expensive than anything has ever been, uh, and the business still works, then, you know, we'll be in a stronger position in a couple of years. That's my thinking anyway. Well, you, um, listen, there's so many tangents I could run off from here, but the first thing that struck me when I walked in today, right, having sat on a side, so, so since you were last on the show, we met remotely when you were on yeah. last time. Yeah. And then literally a couple of months later... I'm walking, I'm, I'm on holiday in Greece, as are you. We didn't know that we were staying at the same hotel. We run into each other in reception, have a little chat, and then say, oh, maybe see you later for a drink. Yeah, let's let's grab a coffee. And then literally ended up on holiday together for the yeah. rest of the week. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was amazing. We were there for the whole time, weren't we? Like, I, like we, I think we flew a day before you, or yeah. like going home. So we were there for, and we were there for quite a while. And it's a, it was a beautiful holiday. And we, it was, it's a great, I love, I love Greece now. I love the Greek islands. I love, you know, Crete in particular. It's one of my favorite spaces mm. to go. And it, Again, it's actually because of so much about it is the hospitality, the people, yeah. but also the food and the simplicity of getting simple ingredients done well. I love Greece for that. And the weather was really nice. And it's just all... Oh, it was beautiful. We had the best time. But what I loved was sitting on our sun lounges in Greece over many a, an afternoon cappuccino, chatting to you and Beth about how this all began. And then I walk in here today and here you are. You're running your end of the business. She's literally... Uh, sat there with a, a bank manager to to her left and yeah. telling the electrician how she wants the lights dimmed to the right. Yeah. And there it is, Team Carriage in full flight. And yet this isn't even our day job because the last time we were in this neighborhood, you and I, yeah. was for Beth's exhibition at the Saatchi Gallery, you know, the world That's famous it. Saatchi That's Gallery yeah. just down the road where her incredible work was exhibited. I mean, like, you two are... Just so impressive on every level. Well, that's very kind. You are. I think I think we've just been very lucky that both of it. So I found something that I wanted to do at the age of 18. Like like I went into a kitchen. Maybe the industry found me. It might be the other way around. Do you know what I mean? Like, but found something where I wanted to be, an exciting, amazing industry that was was just about um Slightly left field way of life, cooking late at night, working hard, playing with naughty boys in a kitchen with knives and fire and going out and partying. And it was all, all of that was brilliant. And Beth has always just been, has been that artist. You know, she's always been that person. She went to um, Liverpool, John Moores, and then she went to the Royal College of Art as a sculptor. And, you know, it's always been, that's all she's ever done. That's who she is. And, but from that, we've always been very, um, proactive about doing stuff 
work hard, say yes to things. And then, so like you say, Beth comes, you know, she makes art, but she also helps build businesses. She also is creative. She also, you know, looks at furniture, looks at insight, looks at the flow of buildings, tries to make those sort of things. We're interested in property design, interested in. So when those things fall into place and then, you know, for me, you go from being a chef to being a restaurateur, to being an author, to being a TV presenter, to being a, and it's all just because they're Promoter just... Promoter of festivals, yeah. having your own festivals together. You two are just, I don't know, it just works so well. And I don't know if sometimes you're so busy, the pair of you, that you can see that. I hope that sometimes you catch a minute to look at the way you two are so in sync and how you complement each other and see what what an incredible relationship you've built. Yeah, we, we do know. It's goals right there. We, we don't have to say much to each other in terms of like when we have conversations about doing stuff because we know actually together we do know that we get shit done do you yeah. know what i mean like it's and like you have a lot yeah exactly we have a lot for it. if it's fun and but it's hard work we're, no, we're never scared of the hard work never ever scared of the hard work all the risk right never scared of risk either like that's, i can't i come from punchy, very little though. yeah but i come from nothing i'm not materialistic i like nice things don't get me wrong i like nice things and i like doing nice stuff but i don't if it None of it existed. I would also still be happy doing what I'm doing because I was very lucky to have found... Yeah, My career path hasn't been about making money. My career path has been about living a life and doing stuff that's great. So high risk is also... I mean, the, the risk of losing everything is a real one, but it's also one that... Also, I don't mind as much as most. Do you not? No, I Does don't. Does that not I keep don't. you awake at night? No. Wow. I, yeah, but also because... That's awesome because I would be absolutely cacking it. Yeah, but I also believe that I am not going to lose it. Yeah, and I also do, there you I go. also go if I am if it does go horribly wrong, I just do it again. It's a false I mean? it's not fear because you know you believe in yourself. Yeah, exactly. I back myself. I back myself and Beth every single time, every time. You know, but I also know I've also see as you get older, right, Kate. You also realise, don't you? I mean, I'm sure there's you know, as you get older, you also recognise weaknesses as well, don't you? You know what you're not good at. Yeah. You know where your strengths are, and the things that you're not good at, you you surround yourself with people who are good at those things, so that you you build a reliant workforce of and a team collective spirit of trying to build those pieces around you, bits of jigsaw puzzles, and you can't do that when you're twenty. Because no. you don't know. You've got to experience it exactly. to know it. You've got to experience yeah. it to know it. So you've, you've got a new book out, uh, The Pub Kitchen, which is um, a continuation of the first book that you published 10 years ago. Yeah. So they book end each other so beautifully. And as much as it is bursting with beautiful recipes, and it is, all the kind of food that you would really hope to find on a menu in the best, best pubs in the country. It's also full of love letters from you about pubs, pub life, what it means to people. Yeah. And what it's meant to you. Yeah, and it's so important. And I think we probably all have early memories of pubs and going there as kids or, or sitting yeah, in a beer like garden. but nothing like this. I mean, where you and like I this, grew up, because we're from the same neck of the woods. Yeah. I mean, like, a packet of Space Invaders, a bottle of pop, get out of here, come back yeah, at the rusty end. Yeah, rusty climbing frame in the car park. Like, yeah, exactly. You literally go and play in the car yeah, park. Yeah, like, yeah, can yeah. you imagine now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they are different, but they're, again, they're still... <laughs> Still the social, yeah, exactly. They're the social spaces, you know, people having a great time. But you know, times have changed, and 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 uh, the new cookbook is, I mean, it is a reflection on British pubs, but it's also, I think, a much. We you talked about it the first one to the to this one, the, the ten year gap in between the two of the pub restaurant cookbooks in between there's been another 10 books this is the 11th book but the the way the first one is called proper pub food this one is called pub kitchen and it's a reflection on of those 10 years how pub food has changed how it has moved on from we just use fish and chips or steak and kidney pudding or roast beef and yorkshire puddings and steamed like and that's why everyone just go yeah that's what a british pub is actually that's not at all we are the most exciting wonderfully culturally rich and diverse countries in the world with um that takes food influence from uh, like global from everywhere and we've been able to put into a pub because if you go to spain you you eat in a tapas or a pinch bar you go to 
uh, Italy in a tutorial and you, you, you have pizzas or pasta restaurants that are amazing. You go, you go to France, you have bistros and, and, and those kind of like, like great big brasserie style rooms where it's a very French cuisine, very Italian cuisine or very Spanish cuisine. British pub is now very, very different. There's nowhere, there's nowhere else in the world where you could go and have like a Korean style coleslaw with blowtorch mackerel as a starter. Then you might have a chicken tikka curry done really, really nicely with homemade flatbreads and then sticky toffee pudding for dessert. So yeah. you've gone to Korea, India and you've gone to sticky toffee pudding for, for dessert and you might even have that on a Sunday and think nothing of it. And that's a wonderful reflection of how culturally rich, diverse, our food influences come in, how good we are at cooking and how we are globally owning a, an eclectic mix of good food in a space that is always about comfortable settings. Yeah. It's a great, that's what makes would, it amazing. I wonder, like, would, they, would the menus have changed much between your first book and this book? Yeah, oh, massively. Yeah. Like, and, and, and also, pubs now have changed where we want, um, you expect quite good food now. You expect, it doesn't matter. If you oh, you God, go into yeah. any pub, you expect, you know, what's on the menu, what's on the chalkboard, what, what is there when you go in and see that you go, well, that sounds quite nice. Whether it's soup of the day and a crusty roll, that soup of the day is made fresh with some nice ingredients, cooked by maybe one or two people in the kitchen and it's lovely. Yeah. Whereas before it used to just be out of a freezer, dumped in a deep fat fryer, served yeah. to and, and sometimes that's not bad. From the actually, catch and carry. Yeah. But Frozen actually the, the yeah. level, the levels of pub food now is very, very different. Expect levels has definitely grown. What you touched on there, Tom, about the spirit of the pub and its place in local communities leads me really nicely into my first question. I don't know if you've seen, but a Christmas ad um, for Charlie's Bar, which is a pub in Ireland, has gone viral and it's kind of won the ad battle for who's got the best Christmas ad. Uh, and the star of the ad is very much the pub. Have, have you seen it? Do you know about this? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it's, much telly. I've got to be honest, mate. I haven't had much chance. No, so is this that- is not even on telly. This has gone viral, right? So the locals of this bar in Ireland, yeah, decided that they were going to make um, a short TikTok film to promote the fact that pubs are a real kind of safe space for people that are dealing with loneliness at Christmas. Yes. So it's it's shot by locals, featuring locals, and it's about a, a, an, an old man who goes and lays flowers on a grave. He obviously lives on his own. And then having spent some time reflecting at a graveside, he goes into town and he tries to catch people's attention on the way into town, like waving to them. Hey, how's it going? Gets blanked. You know, people are busy. Yeah. And then eventually he stops at Charlie's bar and a couple are about to walk in with their dog and he opens the door for them, pours a pint of Guinness, sits down. The dog goes over to him. They come over to him. Suddenly he's having his first conversation of the day. And it sort of lands the importance of the pub. That it goes beyond the pumps. It's the people, isn't it? And as somebody that's drunk in pubs, washed pops in pubs, owned pubs, run pubs, and their campaigns to preserve them, like... If you could, if you could make a case for the pub for everyone listening who maybe is thinking I'm going to do a dry January, they say don't go and support your local pubs. Why? Why? Why do they need to do that? Do Listen, you, you can still 100 percent do a dry January, but just don't drink alcohol in the pub. Go go to the pub and, and support it because they are so um, intrinsic and so important to our society in terms of now whether they're listen this is a posh pub in Chelsea right and it will have a community based feel to it it will have the locals that eat and drink in it but you know they will also be spending you know it's top money for beer and it's expensive for steaks and it's whatever you know but it still will have a community about it but even pubs that are on little council estates like where we grew up, those sort of places are even more important because they're hubs, they're spaces. Now when there's a cost of living crisis, now when there's places where people can't afford to put their heating on throughout the day, that, you know, you talk about the old man in the advert and you go, well, actually, you know, if he's not going to put his heating on the day, he can go and spend that time in the pub, hanging out with locals, friendly, staying warm, you know, conversation. Human interaction is so vitally important to our everyday lives about feeling warm, happy, um, and pubs provide that more than anywhere else. They, they, they're so, so important. And they are, um, 
They are also places, they're different. Lots of different pubs are different. They're also places of fun. They're also places that service a need. And, a, you know, as whatever you think of Weatherspoons, and listen, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a big Weatherspoons fan, but I'm a huge fan of what they kind of represent in a, in a pub marketplace where they tick a box from all day. Like yeah. they open really early in the morning for breakfast. So, you know, that space where Greasy Spoon cafes have died out, you know, where the spoons are up and, you know, there's loads of blokes in high-vis jackets before they go and get in their vans and go off to work, yeah. having breakfast in there before they disappear. Then you've got um, a space in the morning for coffees. Then you've got a lunchtime specials. Then you've got what goes on in the afternoon. Then you've got two-for-one booze offers. Then you've got Monday night curry nights. Then you've got, and they operate. Quizzes. They almost, yeah, exactly. They operate yeah. almost on a 16-hour basis of providing something for someone. And don't get me wrong, they wouldn't be doing that unless there was a need for it. You know, yeah. they wouldn't be doing, they wouldn't open 16 hours if they didn't think that they could get enough revenue and people coming through the door. So they get people coming through the door because people want to be in those places and they provide a sense of comfort, a sense of realization, a sense of familiarity. And that's where pubs are so important. And they're also something that's British. You don't have a pub anywhere else. That is a really, really valid point because, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to travel the globe and you're right. You really miss it when it's not there. Yeah. You know, because really, what's the Spanish equivalent, for example, a tapas bar? Yeah, and it, but tapas bars work really nicely because they do, they have like food similar first, sort of thing. It? It's food, but it is about going to have, but, but that's why those plates of food are very, very small. People, are, they hang out, they'll have a glass of wine. They're stood up in a tiny little uh, area where they're having a glass of wine. They're having some, I don't know, some salted almonds and some anchovies and some bits and bobs or whatever's coming out. But it does provide that sense of community, but it's not quite the same. It's not quite got the same. They may well still have a, a screen on with the football, you know, or they may well still have that yeah. sort of thing, but it's not quite. Yeah, it's a quite, it's a quintessentially part. British thing, isn't it, it? it? Absolutely. It really, really is. It really is. And it, and it, and it, it does make it very magical and wonderful. And you think of it like a love story to pubs is, a big walk through the Yorkshire Dales with the dog and then you go into a, a pub that you find at the end of your walk and with an open log fire and you have a pint of real ale and a pie with lovely mash. You know, this is your dream kind of like pub yeah. scenario, isn't it? And, and they exist and they're real, but they can't just exist on a Sunday when you want it to be there. For it to work as a business... It has to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So they need support on a constant basis because we will and do miss them when they're gone. Oh my God, yeah. And you also recognise the struggle. I know that in the Marlowe branch um, of the Tap and Grill, uh, kids eat free between three and five every day. Is that right? They do, yeah. That's really important for me. So we've got, even though Marlowe is... Um, a, you know, it's got a very, very um, high net worth of terms of people that live there mostly there's still a huge amount of poverty everywhere everywhere you go it doesn't matter like just around the corner from here in Chelsea there's people that are living in poverty you know food poverty and child food poverty is massive you know there's some areas most deprived areas um, it, more so however we still have a space there is that still exists it exists everywhere so for me um, we do kids eat free um, and we have people that eat with us three four times a week because it's the one I, and it is and it's it's very important we don't ever re, we, Kate, we don't ever really talk about it we let people know in the community that need it and it it's completely um it tries to remove stigma tries to make sure that they can at least have one warm meal a, a, a day if they need it you know those sort of things and that's so important and that's so important and we we also recognize we're in a privileged position to be able to do that as a business and i think but i think if you're in a community and you're part of it and you have the opportunity and the space um to be able to give something back to communities you, you should most definitely do it and in hospitality you, again the pandemic you look back at what happened there the places that were the hubs of society with the pubs they were cooking meals for people in their little communities they were shops they were delivering you know food they were doing whatever it was the pub still became that kind of like hub that that kind of nucleus that a community built itself around and you know and it's still very very important now so yeah we do yeah kids eat free yeah kids eat free in Marlow. Oh, I love that I hope that lots of people listening, if they're in a position to extend the same sort of generosity, 
would uh, take some inspiration Listen, hospitality that. has been the first industry. It's the one that makes the least money as an industry. Like you say, the pubs are closing all the time, but it's the first one to give something back. Again, yeah. it's because it's people that run it with a passion for people and it's a vocation, not a profit-making Yeah. Industry. I don't think anybody goes, I want to be a chef uh, or I want to be a publican because I want to make loads of money. No. No, they do it because you want to do it. And the beautiful thing about the hospitality industry is it's because it's surrounded up by other people that are in it who do for the it same, for the same passion. You know, yeah. the, pe- the brewers. Yeah, the brewers or the winemakers or the guy that grows the carrots or the gamekeeper that drops something off at the back door or the all of those sort of things. They're just full of people that are living a life that's surrounded by food and drink in a world that's driven by passion, you know. And if they can make a bit of money out of it and live a life, then great. But you're not going into it because that's you That's think- not your driver. No, no, it's definitely not the driving force, mm. no. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week's episode is brought to you by Ridgeview, who have been producing world-class English sparkling wine since 1995. Their focus is on quality and sustainability from grape to glass, and their award-winning wine is revered all over the world. It makes every occasion truly something to celebrate. We're at Ridgeview's Vineyard in East Sussex for a chat with the two people who sit at the heart of this English wine revolution. Tamara Roberts is the CEO of Ridgeview, and her brother Simon Roberts is the director of winemaking. This is truly a family affair. They're probably even more passionate as a family about wine than we are at White Wine Question Time, which, let me tell you, is some feat. So, guys, Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely to have you here. Give me the backstory. I mean, you've walked me through some of your many vines today. I've picked some of them. We're we're just entering into harvest. You're 25 years in. You've had to reframe people's view of English sparkling wine or English wine. It's, It's always seen as a bit of a bottom of the barrel choice or has been for so long because we're not known for creating probably due to the climate and the growing conditions. Great wine, right? I think that was fair, especially back in the day, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think you used to spend... I think we spent the first 10 years of getting people to taste the wines objectively was almost doing blind tastings and sticking our wines amongst champagnes and things like that and just seeing whether people would... Um, and, and particularly when we had tastings here and, and seeing whether they could pick out what was champagne, what wasn't. And half the time they couldn't. And half the time, or I suppose actually more than that, the majority of the times our wines would come up on top. And we would put ourselves against champagne. We wouldn't shy away from that at all. Every time I've asked somebody a question here, the enthusiasm is is tangible. Like you've, you've created a, a community of local people that love what you produce. How lovely to take your dad's pipe dream and turn it into this. I mean, when you arrive here now, you could be in California, you could be in South Africa. There's this state-of-the-art restaurant with views over your vines. You can watch the sun go down with plates that are prepared by an amazing chef to pair with the wine. Wow, you guys have done good. 
Thank you. We've been busy. You we? Been. <laughs> and I haven't even scratched on the awards you've won. So if, if you're listening to this and you want to make the journey down, um, let me tell you, you won't travel as far as some of the people that we've met here today. Uh, as I lifted my first glass for the tasting this morning, a gentleman walked in who was a sommelier. He wasn't here on business. He's retired. He's traveled here because he's heard it was so good from Las Vegas. It was amazing. But he's planned an entire European trip around culminating his, his journey through Europe here because he'd heard that much good stuff about your wines. Can you walk me through some of the awards that have been um, gift, given out to you and your wines? I would say probably the one thing, the one that stuck in my mind as the earliest one was the International Wine and Spirits Competition back in 2005 Five. for the 2002 Bloomsbury Vintage. That was probably the one where I, it really dawned on me just how big that was because we had people queuing outside the winery and because we had such limited stock, we could only sell them one bottle each. Decanter. So that was. So decanter. Explain who decanter are to the um, uneducated ear, i.e., mine. So decanter wine magazine is the most widely published wine magazine in the world, and there. So we'd won a sparkling wine competition, and most wine competitions have champagne as a category and sparkling wine as a category, and decanter is the only wine international wine competition that has sparkling wine and champagne in the same category. And so in 2010, we are still the only winery outside Champagne ever to win that award. Wonderful yeah. stuff. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, the first year that you produced a harvest, how many bottles of wine did you sell, Simon? So that would have been about just under 20,000 bottles. And this year you'll produce? Mm, probably about 600,000 bottles. Yeah. Wow, that's what 27 years looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Need to get a bigger seller. <laughs> what continued success. I am going to literally raise my glass to you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And if you've got a hankering for a glass of something bubbly, then you know where to go. Head to ridgeview.co.uk to learn more about their amazing wine and buy some for yourself. Or if you're in Waitrose, you can always find it in there too because life truly is for celebrating. But my next question is one that I hope you're going to enjoy jumping into. All right. Music is integral to a pub or a restaurant. It sets the mood, it soundtracks people's experiences. But what songs, if you had an old school pub jukebox, would you put on your jukebox to soundtrack you and the kind of experiences that have marked your life? Oh my God, there's, I mean, there's so many. Most of it, listen... But I come from an age and a generation, the same as you, where it's mostly about 90s indie stuff. But there's <laughs> lots of, like, that world, you know. Oasis was my specialist subject on Celebrity Mastermind, <laughs> mate. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, it was just like... You, you did know, well with it as well, didn't I, you? I did, yeah, I won. Uh, yeah, you I won. won. Yeah. It's, like, it's like two Michelin stars, first, uh, first pub in the world to ever do it, and Celebrity Mastermind winner, you know. It's like, <laughs> I, I also got an honorary doctorate in philosophy in the same week as well. My mum was so proud. Who, who needs GCSEs when you can win Celebrity Mastermind. <laughs> See, my specialist subject on Celebrity Mastermind was uh, George Michael, and I didn't win, but I did very well. And he was still alive, and they aired it on, I think it was New Year's Eve, and he rang me, and I picked up, and he just went, you camp bitch. Mm. <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. Well, Liam actually emailed me <laughs> and just went, well done, yeah. That was it. That like, was it. Just, like, it was kind of like, it was just like, Top skills, yeah, great, thank you. You happy with yeah, that, yeah? Amazing, I'll take that, yeah. Man, a few words, but they're, they're like, he, he should have the honorary doctorate in philosophy. That's what he should have. Right? <laughs> One of my favourite descriptions of him was from Noel, um, who described Liam as so angry, he's like a man with a fork in a world of soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, bless it. He, I, 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 I love spending time with him. He's very funny. He's a very funny character. He's quite. He's very full on. He came to me to the Hand of Flowers, and, and not once 
um, did he never stop being Liam Gallagher? No. Like you 100% expect. He got, he take he got there early. Didn't take, he, he spent the whole lunch with his cagoule on, like <laughs> zipped up to the top. He ate, um, he was drinking espresso martinis from the, for, right from the start all the way through to the end. And when he finished it, when he finished at lunch, he moonwalked into the kitchen to thank, <laughs> to thank all the chefs. It absolutely spanned there and it had like, but it was, it was mega. It was, it was amazing. He's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, but so, so listen, there's a soundtrack Oasis. and music Oasis. That's your youth, but what about your childhood? Like what was the music that takes you back to the seventies, early eighties, yeah. school life, Gloucester? Yeah. So, I mean, music was, um, has always been, I don't think I really, really found music. Like I don't think most kids do until they're in their teenage years. When all of a sudden the band is saying lyrics, that suddenly makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense to you, whether it's a bit, whether it's a bit angsty or whether it's a bit yeah. love song because you're in love for the first time. We were talking about that when we were like before, yeah. like, like a bit of R&B or a bit of whatever, or a bit of something. And it takes you into a world where you suddenly become, or you can imagine, your imagination can run away with you with music into being a grown-up world and imagining what it's this band is going through. Yeah. It is, and it's, and it's brilliant. So before that, so I think, listen, the first things that I was ever listening to were the Beatles and um, the Rolling Stones. My dad was a big fan of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones before um, my mum and dad split up. So that, that was the, fir- the first kind of thinking of music was, I remember, um, like eight tracks or um, tape decks with great big massive, massive headphones. headphones hi-fi stack of yeah, systems exactly yeah. like that listening <laughs> listening listening to um, listening to um, listening to the Beatles or the Rolling Stones with Sergeant Pepper's own I think you start out with what you and mum and dad have got at home right that you yeah. have to listen to those so I was the same as you and I, we had a lot of seven inches in the house yeah and my mum and dad have got brothers and sisters and they obviously all used to go to house parties and take their records with them, right? Yeah. So that you could play them at the house parties. But they all wrote their names on them. Yeah. And I loved, as a child, flicking through these seven inches going, oh, that's my Auntie Jill's. Oh, that's my Uncle Brian's Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I, they, they were tangible because you held them in your hand and then you had to clean them to drop the needle on the record yeah. and you know that felt really exciting and then so I suppose you're right when you're a teenager you start to get pocket money did you do the thing of getting the bus into town to go to our price 100% I did yeah, yeah. so and I remember buying I think the first record I ever bought was Joe Boxer and Boxer Beat like and I remember getting into town on the bus to go and get that and to go and buy that track and loving it really like it was massive and there was a big thing this recently this week about the now that's what I call music compilation thing but celebrating 40 years yeah 40 years right so I remember I think the first one that I had I think the first one that I proper had was now four so it was <laughs> 1984 like and it's like oh my god so I would have been like 11 and I think that was the first point of me going okay music's cool I like it I'm really enjoying it and getting into it and then I remember my, my best mate from school from when I was 11 or one, there was three of us that used to hang out and he's really into his music and mad into Michael Jackson and I remember Michael Jackson announcing that he was doing a tour and queuing up outside Gloucester Leisure Centre which was the ticket agency to buy tickets to go and see Michael Jackson at Cardiff Arms Park years so I must have been 15 I think yeah. to go and see the bad tour it was just like with Paula Abdul being the, the support, support act and it just like, but I, we queued up overnight to ensure that we got tickets to go to Cardiff to go and watch Michael Jackson and that was the first real insight into like proper music and queuing and being a part of a festival and seeing live I mean nothing in my life I've seen so many live bands and acts and I love them but nothing in my life has ever compared to a Michael Jackson live show like particularly as a 15 year old it was just like this is mind blowing but also look at the work you'd put in to get those tickets right in the same way that to go yeah, now you just click bro- on a computer totally. screen and just like, do you know what I mean? I'm really lucky. I've got, I managed to get Liam Gallagher tickets for the Definitely Maybe tour next year, right? And so it's like, brilliant. But I managed to get them by getting Alex, my PA, to get, just get so we can find someone online, get on it. Like they all got, they all sold out in like two minutes. I had to pay top whack and I got a box. So I thought I better take all my mates. So we've got a box going. It's the only way I could get tickets. But it was just like, but it's so much, it's like a lot easier now. Like you go online, you wait, or you get missed- a queue or you get, yeah, a queue 
queuing up overnight. I, I sort of That's missed proper that. dedication. Yeah, and like, I'd still queue up overnight right now for a Liam Gallagher ticket. Would you really? Yeah, hundred percent, I would. Wow. Yeah, if the only way you could get tickets is by getting in a queue at eight pm tonight. That's good. To know that nine o'clock tomorrow morning when it opens, you get ticket. I a hundred percent would do that. Don't tell him that though. I know. I won't you tell, him, yeah, don't I tell him. I won't tell him. him. I won't tell him. <laughs> I really won't tell him. I remember my mum and dad telling me that my mum they, they had one of their first. I think I don't think they fell out over it, but my mum wanted to go and see the Beatles at the the Odeon where the Odeon is now in Cheltenham. And yeah. they came to town, but it meant sleeping out to get the tickets. And my dad thought she was insane. And my mum was like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to see the Beatles. And they went to see the Beatles at Chapman Cinema. Can you imagine? Yeah. That's a me- I bet he's pleased he went now. Yeah? yeah, but now I think... Oh, God, yeah. But yeah. But now I think about it. I think maybe like that's where my love of music started. Because I could... I had all these records in my hand. I had these stories about staying out all night because you loved the sound of something so much. It's, it's massively important. And what plays on... What plays in your pubs and your bars says so much about you as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a real reflection. But it also, music is key to mood. And it's massive and it's it's a mood changer in it and it creates energy and atmosphere. And, you know, I remember when I first getting into a kitchen as a chef and, you know, if you've been out on a really, you've done a really light, late shift and then you've all gone out afterwards oh. and then you're back in on the breakfast shift. So oh. you've done two and a half Hang hours in. sleep, right? Ooh. And you've got the breakfast, you've got to get ready sorted for a hotel's worth of breakfast. So it is 100% the prodigy being played at full blast in that kitchen to get you, like, I have to be Which on an upper here. Which going to? Anything. Out of space, probably. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, like the early, it would be the early stuff. When, like, you know, it was before Breathe or Firestar. So it would have been that. Like, so early it, rave. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of like, yeah, a bit of Charlie Says. Yeah. Like, yeah like the, but that that kind of energy you need. And, that, and those, they create moods. And that's why it's, it's also driven into pubs and pub life and kitchen life and, you know, chefs and musicians, they're, they're very, very similar. I've been very lucky to have met quite a few. And Oh, oh hello. hello. We've set the fire alarm off. Is that the toaster? Yeah. Or is it slightly... So this is the lovely thing about day, like, trial shifts. That everyone's just assuming there's a trial shift. <laughs> and the fire alarm's going off for no reason. But the reality is the whole building could be on fire. No, but it's not. not. Okay, it's no, gone it's off. Health <laughs> and safety. Health and safety. See, not a single person can. No. It was like, in the go, not get me out. I'm having a steak. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Cookie bars are on top. Um, guess, guess where I went to Saturday night? I went to the Prodigy. Uh, Ali Pali. Ah, oh, that was good. Time. Mega, they're amazing. So, I mean, like, Liam Howlett, I think, is probably one of my favourite human beings in the world. Yeah. Like, it's just a really stupendously good man yeah right? I don't know Liam very well I've met him a couple of times but I know Maxim quite well and Maxim yeah, and yeah. Maxim so we're all there and like so last year they played a gig as well it's become like I mean I hope that they continue to tour annually but there is nothing like a prodigy gig to make me feel 25 again yeah yeah, they're so good. The energy is so oh, good. The atmosphere. It's, it's mega, isn't it? They're amazing. I was very fortunate. We went to the last the last one with, that Keith did in the UK, oh. Ali Pali again. And it was just, it's just such a special, one of the best gigs I've ever, 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 ever been to. And it's just... just I think they are the, possibly one of, like, possibly the greatest live act in the UK touring this year. They're, they're, Easy. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. I think they, they bring good in energy. Kasabian are amazing. Faithless. Vegas. When Maxi was around, like, was just brilliant. You know, there's was live alive. energy. That they And they kept giving as well. Like, if you think they're bands from the 90s, and now, and I know when we say it, it doesn't feel that long ago, but actually, talk, your production team that sat in the room, you probably weren't even born then. No. None of you were born in the 90s. Taylor None wasn't. No. Literally, Taylor could be my child. Right. So, like, and like she's said, way smarter than me. And it's Tammy. unbelievable, isn't it? It's like, and you go... And Charlie, Charlie, I, I maybe couldn't be your mother, but you are definitely smarter than me. But but to me and you, it's like the 90s, they were great times. It doesn't seem that long it's ago. That long but ago, then ago, all like of that. a sudden you go... And then you go... Actually, when you start talking about it, yeah, 1993, yeah, mate, that was like that's 30, 30 years ago, 30, coming up 31 years ago, oh, you're like, oh my, my God, like, <laughs> yeah, it suddenly makes you go, oh, that's why my knees creak in the morning, or oh, that's why, like, <laughs> well, like, you know, somebody said to me the other day, um, well, we did, we've just, uh, we've just recorded, um, 
a 20th anniversary with Michelle McManus from when she won Amazing. Pop Idol. Well, yeah, when was 20 that? years ago she won. No way. Yeah, Tom. I've still got clothes in my wardrobe from that time that I think fit me. Who's the fool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she done all right over those 20 years? She's done great. Do you okay, know what? what a lovely, lovely woman. Yeah, And great. then, you know, the, the year before that, it was Gareth Gates with Will Young. And we've just had Jason Fox on, Foxy. Yeah, he, just, he and, won Celebrity SAS, didn't he? And Foxy said, you know, he said, Gareth could have made the SAS. He could have actually made the cut. You go, wow. Yeah. And there was us every week going, are you all right? Because yeah. you've got to face the phone vote. Yeah, turns yeah. out he, he's more than all right. Yeah, thank turn, you. Turns out he's all right. He could have done undercover operations yeah. somewhere in there. Uh, Somewhere in a jungle. <laughs> Could have gone undercover for 30 years and been fine, thank you. Maybe, maybe he has. Where has Gareth Gaines been? Exactly, there you go. Not just Panto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the song that you um, that reminds you of Beth and of AC? So there's always quite a few that we'll always pick and like get into and enjoy. Um and tracks that will, like AC comes to sit, we're quite fortunate because we talked about the festival business briefly earlier, and they'll come and watch live music, and they'll come and see things, and they'll come and really get into it. But actually, one of the bands that have been amazing, another amazing band live, that never really made it super massive, but they were, like, I think absolutely mega, is the Stereo MCs. Oh, Connected. Like, connected. So, and... Are they our neck of the woods as well? Are they Bristol? I don't know, actually. I don't know. Yeah, I should know that. I don't know. I don't know why I should know One that. of the girls, she lives out in Portugal and then comes back every summer to do a chat. Like, and they're, they're and great. They've done loads of the pub in the park do festivals you pick, for Yeah, so pub in the park, for those that haven't been, go. It takes, it's like the pub on steroids in yeah. your local park with the best live music. So you played my local park last year, year before. And you play it every year. Um, so I came down with Ben and we saw Sister Sledge. Yeah, and they, they were, were bloody they amazing. Were mega. Yeah, they were really good. They were really, yeah. So I don't really have much to do with the music bookings and that. Do you know? I try and try and influence it a little bit, and I will try and push it. But it, you know, if it yeah, was Craig just David all me, we, Craig David was brilliant. He's it's great. mega live. He's yeah, I mean, so, you get so good. the best bands. You do yeah, get the best bands. But that's it. We have to also try and connect to a lot of different people, not just quite niche. Yeah, like this is what I really like. But DJ sets go down really well. I tell you, it was. Absolutely amazing his example. That was Exa- great, isn't he? Oh my god, the energy! Yeah. I like he's just brilliant. He's coming back again next year to do Marlow, and he, he he was just amazing. But yeah, Stereo MCs and connected, and because Does AC, AC like that? loves that, like that Does bit, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know what kids are like when they get a thing in their yeah. head that they're like, so yeah. And they were amazing live. And when I remember when they did their first first gig at Pub in the Park, they did nothing happens. He just comes on stage and then just comes up to the mic and he's quite an intimidating character and he just goes, why don't you all come a little bit closer? Like that. And everyone's just like, oh my God. Like, like, okay. And then it kicks off that. and it's just, and it just, it's just brilliant. Yeah. So Stereo MCs is something that always reminds me of Beth and Ace as a time that they come together. There's also like, he'll sing along to ABBA tracks in the car and he'll do whatever. But actually tracks like that where he's beginning, I mean, he's talking about for Christmas this year, one in a guitar. And it's like, okay, maybe we won't because I know it'll be, he'll have it. He'll play with it for about 14 minutes and then, <laughs> and then it'll sit around until forever, until yeah. maybe he's, I don't know, 16 and then starts deciding he wants to play it again. So maybe we'll rent one for Christmas Day. <laughs> listen, listen, you say this, right? Denise Welsh used to be the same, right? When I worked with Denise back in the day on um, Loose Women and she had a young, young son, Matt, and she'd be like, oh, he's got this band and they want to rehearse in our garage and he keeps asking for keyboards. And, and I keep saying to him, for goodness sake, Matt, you know, and there they are selling out stadiums around the world. The 1975, yeah. absolutely massive. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're, you not know. Doing, they're not doing bad, are they? No. So, so maybe yeah. get him that guitar. Maybe we'll get him the guitar. <laughs> Well, there's a drum kit that's been in the living room for two years that he ah, plays right. every now he's and then. He's got form. That's it, yeah, yeah, he's got form. He comes in, smashes it, bangs, it makes as much noise as possible. He plays the one rhythm that he's learned and then disappears again. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, like some sort of, like a rock star. Comes in, plays the one track, walks off. He is a rock star. <laughs> yeah. He's a beautiful young man, he really is. There's something very special about your child. 
I fell very much in love with him on holiday. Yeah, he's a good laugh. He's, he he's is. good to spend. He drove off this morning. Beth drove off like uh, I was. He ran the window down and just shouted out a bit. See you later, poo poo head, and just drives <laughs> off. He's just like, okay, mate, bye. <laughs> yeah. See you. See you later. Have a good day at school. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> you still um. He's still in charge of his rugby team. Yeah, I, we say in charge. I'm more like a classroom assistant. There are there's a couple of coaches, coaches, and then there's a, another two or three coaches that are there to kind of like help move them around or do the things. We know I don't set up the drills and the things that they're learning, but I try to. We help I work with them. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. It's great. It's like my Sunday morning thing that we both mm-hmm. go and he plays rugby. I mean, he he absolutely loves it. But you know, it's not. It's good that we do this thing together. Like, yeah. it's great. It's great. And it's quite, it's quite weird because obviously I didn't grow up with a dad. There was a da- dad in my life. My mum and dad split up when I was 11, but even before 11, my father wasn't really, he wasn't really there um, much at all. So there's been no father figure as such in my life in terms of working out how to do it. Do you know what I mean? There's been no... So I'm learning to be a dad at the same time as he's learning to be a son. I quite like the journey, the adventure we're on. I've got nothing to gauge it against. Only, I don't know, what you see on the telly of where people's perfect lives are. And it's certainly... Life is not like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, social media and television programs is not how dads really are. Like, the reality is like... But you know what? You stole my son's heart because when we came home from Crete, before we even got home, actually, just say... Tom's a really good dad, you know. Tom's a really good dad. And that was his observation of you. And the fact that you were always like, you know, up for getting in the water with them, up for getting on the sofa. Um, yeah. yeah, you you really, you struck a chord with my boy. I think a lot of that comes from having ADHD. So if you have that, like I can never sit still. That last holiday we went off, we went with some friends and I didn't realize that obviously they'd, they'd all been talking about it. I never, like, they were, it was, I think it was day four was the first time I sat down on a sunbed that wasn't running around with the kids or doing that building a sandcastle. Let's go on a sofa. Let's go for a swim. Who wants what for lunch? What are we going to do? Like a concert? But then I sat down on the sunbed that they, Claude, who I was with, shouted over to Beth. We go, Beth. Beth, it's his day four. He's French. It's day four. He has sat down. It's the first time. That is it. Now, like, I hadn't, re- like, they'd obviously all been talking about, like, it was like, okay, you were like a spinning yeah, top. Right, yeah, you need, yeah. yeah, but I'm a bit like that on holiday. You need a few days to just slow down. Yeah, and, it, and it's good. It's good. It's, it's great. You just got, I, I love it. I, but what's the point of being on holiday with the kids if you're not going to be on holiday with the kids? Exactly. Because in my head, right, he's coming out to eight now. I've got another eight years before he's like, Shut up, dickhead. I don't even want... Why are you even talking to me? You, yeah. you don't come near me. You're cramping my style. I, I think you're being like, quite generous with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, okay. <laughs> Five years. <laughs> um, my final question to you is wrapped around the decision that you uh, make to say yes to things because, um, you know, Beth, proposed to you you said yes you just dived in right and you've already told me that you don't lie awake at night feeling the fear like most people would so what have been the most gutsy and important yeses you've said apart from the i do to your good lady wife yeah yeah i was just too terrified to say no (laughs) (laughs) you know she's gonna break one of your legs for that (laughs) no no well i i think no is the I, i genuinely think no is the worst word in the English language like, yeah I just think it's all listen I, I listen, I get from a personal perspective in personal space no is a really powerful word that should be said but no in terms of its connotation because it just just feels like you just shut a door every time you say it it closes something like no it's just like now well, what about maybe or okay or we could try or yes like you don't Nothing grows. You don't grow unless you say yes to stuff. You'll never get out of that comfort circle, that comfort zone that you're in, which is really, can be really nice. You're never going to grow as a human, as a professional, as anything that you do if you say no to stuff. And so many people are based on, they base their lives on what do I get out of it? Short term as well. What's my short term gain for saying yes to this? Well, actually, in pretty much everything I've said yes to, which is almost everything, like 
it's not none of it's about short-term gain it's always about well if i say yes who knows what will happen long term it's always a long game but i think you're not scared of what happens if it if that yes turns into a you know into something that looks like failure you don't fear failure so therefore you don't fear no i like experience i like yeah i like the experience the pandemic was the worst thing ever right and it was horrible but a little bit of me really enjoyed it right in a weird way like i really enjoyed the wrong word liked the challenge of structuring and running my businesses i felt so under pressure i felt sick every day it was horrible not knowing the sense of responsibility for 250 work friends and colleagues and people that you're with and you know and trying to work out how you can help solve and save their lives and make them feel comfortable and trying to i relished that challenge i really Enjoy is such a the wrong word. I can't think of the right one to use, but I thrive. Yeah, yeah, and it was one of that point. Of, Do you think that's when you come yeah, good? Yeah, like is in put, the face of almost pressure. that adversity. Yeah, put me under pressure. Put me under pressure, and I'll work out a way, and I'll try and solve it, and I'll try and solve it. And I can't, I can't tell you I will solve it, but I'll try, hundred percent, try. And every you, and there's no such thing as making a. None of those decisions are bad. They're only really bad decisions if you don't learn from them. Yeah, or you do it again, or you do. Because things that go wrong, all those mistakes and everything that happens where you lose. So we've lost so much businesses. We probably, I don't know, pandemic probably on paper was a paper loss of around about four, four million quid. We lost four million, right? Real, real terms cash was about one and a half. We lost one and a half million Jesus quid, right? Time. If not more. So there's still a paper loss of two and a half million in businesses that are, we're having to make work to generate, and that's you know that's us. There's other businesses that have loads more, and there's other places that have to shut, and there's loads. Of, yeah. But you've got to start. Crying. Now I quite like the pressure of that. I don't like losing the money. I don't because you just got to try and make it work and try and grab it and go for it. And I like, but that's a, those are things that happen, and those things that you say yes to, or mis- they're not they're mistakes. But you can learn from them, and you can grow from them, and you can adapt from them. The biggest risks and things that we've done to try and I think there isn't anything that I've seen as a massive risk. I've seen everything as an adventure. I just see it as an adventure. Life is an adventure. Listen, we were just talking then that these guys weren't around in the 90s where we were living our best lives, yeah. right? None of these people were born. And then in 20 years' time, it's like, we're, okay, we're done, right? I don't, we could be like really cool 70-year-olds, right? And we could be having God, a... we're going to be 70 yeah. 20 years' time, yeah. Tom. So we could be really cool 70-year-olds. just hit me like a right? truck. I know. <laughs> and having a great Feel time sick. and doing whatever else. But like, in the reality of it, the best times are behind us. We should be in a secure position. We are looking like it going, you know. And that's, that, that comes real quick. That comes real quick. That's because it. the 90s were a blink ago. And do you know what, though? I'm bloody glad that I... I mean, I lived every minute of it. I worked hard. I played even harder. I had... I mean, I drank it all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No hangover. Just loved it. I, and that's yeah. exactly as I think you should live... The rest uh, of your life. Your, the rest yeah. of your life. Your whole life. You should live your life like that. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? The reality of it is, is how bad can it actually be? Well, I mean, sometimes not- when the worst has happened, actually, that's where the greatest lessons have sat for me. Massive, yeah. You- and yeah, you know what? Humility is no bad thing. That's that's for sure. I don't think success has taught me anywhere near as much as, and I'm not going to call it failure, reconfigurating. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. You learn so much from it and you re, you could, okay, reset button, default, and what, and what have I learned? And you've grown. So you've taken that comfort zone, yeah. you've stepped outside of it. It's been really uncomfortable. It's all gone horribly wrong. But now that zone is bigger because you know how to deal with it again. Mm. And then you can just keep, and just I'd, keep growing. I'd love to go back and tell, well, to tell younger people, like, don't be afraid. Like, things will go wrong, but just learn from it. And you will come to be really grateful for this shitty experience. Yeah, you yeah. just want to keep going around hugging people, going, don't worry, it's all going to be fine. Yeah, the, the, the really bad experiences and horrible. Now, you know, some of the things we're most proud of are people that have been in our business. We owned a business nearly 19 years ago, and there's people that have grown and been in that business for 
17, 18 years, people that have been with us from the beginning, some that we're still in contact with that were pre-opening that business or part of the opening team. Some of the opening team are coming back and rejoining us in January. Like there's lots of different things. And in that time, those people have gone on to do you know, different things, got married, have kids of their own, do build relationships, open businesses, close businesses themselves, come back into us. And they're all horrible mistakes that they go through. We've had, you know, people that be with us whose lives they've lived through us have got married and divorced and got like, like, and you go, and you're constantly putting an arm around and go, well, this is what happened when something like this happened to me, or this is what happened when something, or I lost a job there, or we lost a load of money here, or this went wrong there. And there was nothing you can do apart from... But we're better people from learning from it. You learn from this experience. And right now the hurt is real bad, but you've just got to go, okay, I can get through this. And time is a massive healer. And it's so it's so much easier. It's such an easy thing to say when you've got that experience of being 50. When you're sat here at 50. And you go, yeah, yeah. And you go, we've done it. I've seen that. I've been through that. It's really horrible right now, but it does get better and you have learned from it and it will make you a better, stronger, more brilliant person. But don't you think as well that the fact that you bounce back from all of these bumps knocks difficulties whatever you want to call them you learn to have a little bit more faith in yourself I yeah mean, yeah I, I'm also quite lucky that I always I believe in myself and I back myself every single time and that is a self-confidence thing that um, it's extraordinary though because you weren't I mean, where does it come from, Tom? Where does because your brother's not like that, is he? No, my brother's not. No, no, no. He's, he's just <laughs> just celebrated his thirtieth uh, year working for Marks and Spencers in Gloucester at their um, uh, at their food hall store where he was, you know, works in the warehouse and just spent, totally and he's happy been with his lot. Very happy, very yeah. happy. Yeah. Chat to him at your birthday. He's a super lovely guy, but yeah. they're very different characters. <laughs> you are very different. So yeah. where does this? It's not supreme confidence, but it is this, this kind of quiet confidence you've got it's like like when you say if it all went tits up you just start again I don't disbelieve you I don't, I, I, I don't know I know I'm very lucky I've never felt that I've never felt I've had to prove anything to anyone I've always believed I'll be alright even from a young kid I've always thought well I'll be alright I, I know school wasn't for me I wasn't a naughty boy at school I was hung around with the naughty boys yeah. but I wasn't the naughtiest I wasn't bad I just knew that remembering stuff and repeating it onto a page means that you're clever isn't real life is not like that and, and I knew that from quite early on so I always thought well I back myself to do something with my hands or something what it is I'll be alright I've got a work ethic I've got a sense of reality of life how do I where do I focus it and check I don't know and I don't know where it really comes from or where it's where it's arrived from but it's always been such and a that, great but, such a great thing but to it's have very, it's also very lucky I know that because so many people have self-doubt and imposter syndrome yeah and, oh I have that quite a bit and then I go yeah. well it doesn't really matter because that's the other thing I've learned that I have met CEOs of multi-billion pound companies I have met corporate leaders I have met top politicians I have met they are all blagging it just they like are us. All making it up. <laughs> None of them. They are they find some of them have really found their strengths and what they're good at and have backed themselves and have done really well because they know they're that. But then when you talk to them, the reality of it is they're just like a normal person that has somehow found their way into that position where they're seen yeah. as a position of power. But it, the, the reality is that it isn't. It's, it's, it's like pulling the curtain back in The Wizard of Oz, isn't it? And you massive, go, oh, you're yeah. just like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, mate. Okay, you're exactly the same. Yeah. And, like, and then when you start talking about other stuff, and then you've got to remind yourself, well, this guy might be able to do whatever he does on a corporate, understand the corporate spreadsheet of working out the balance uh, of profit and loss over a multi-billion pound company and future investments and what it gets. But you can't cook two mission stars, can you, mate? Do you know what I mean? It's like, so you go, okay, well, that's fine. Like, horses for courses. Exactly. You go, well, you're quite good at that, but I'm, I'm actually better at what I do. Like, and you've got, you've got, you just remind yourself of that, I think, all the time. Find, find your skill set and play to your strengths. Well, I would back you all day, every day. And um, thank you for your time. I know that this is like a key time for you. A new restaurant opening, a new pub opening. The last thing you need is me wanging on in your ear, but no, you're very good. kind to give me the it's time. It's really interesting. They've got to make mistakes. We've got our fire alarms going off and we've got to have uh, uh, overcooked steaks and the drinks being dropped and people spilling stuff on someone's expensive cashmere coat for us to, you know, it wouldn't be an opening without it. <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, mate. 
how lovely was that? In conversation with Tom Kerridge, who very kindly has invited us to stay for lunch. So whilst I go and fill my face, you can go and fill your ears with more brilliant episodes from culinary greats. We've got episodes with Rick Stein, Dame Prue Leith, James Martin, Rosemary Schrager, Simon Rimmer, Marcus Waring, Greg Wallace, John Tarot, Lisa Fogner, and Faye Ripley, all in our back catalogue. I'll be back on Tuesday with more vintage conversations from the White Wine Question Time seller. And if you want to chef like Tom and create some of the very best pub grub there is his new book pub kitchen is out now and would make fate a marvelous christmas present i'm just saying until then thanks so much for your company now where's that menu white wine question time is a stack production and part of the acast creator network hold up What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.